You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. Welcome to this episode of the Disease Du Jour podcast on the topic of equine asthma with Dr. Nemette Brown. I'm your host, Kim Brown, editor of Equimanagement. The Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you in 2023 by Merck Animal Health. Nemette Brown, DVM, MPH, DACBIM, graduated from the University of Tennessee College of Veterinary Medicine in 2010. Brown then completed an internship in a private practice in Illinois and a large animal internal medicine residency at Virginia Tech. During that time, she also obtained a master's in public health with a focus on infectious disease. Following her residency, she completed a year-long fellowship at Haggard Equine Medical Institute and served on the faculty in the Equine Internal Medicine Department at North Carolina State University before returning to Haggard. Thank you, Dr. Brown, for joining us today on Disease Du Jour to talk about equine asthma. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to join you guys. Well, let's just start out with how common, and, and again, for veterinarians, we're, we're you know, talking about this. How common is equine asthma in just general equine practice? I think equine asthma is one of those conditions that... Um, Depending on the population of horses that you're working with, you'll either see very frequently um, or frequently. It is uh, one of the more common non-infectious causes of respiratory disease in horses. And I think with some of the air quality issues that we're facing these days, we're certainly seeing an increased incidence in equine asthma in our patient population. And when you mention that, you're talking about, of course, the smoke that we're a lot people are facing and what else might trigger this in horses? So we really think that equine asthma is triggered a lot by some of the dust and inhaled particles in horses' environments. So as you mentioned, the smoke that's been an issue in a lot of the northern United States recently um, and in areas of California have certainly triggered um, horses to have either uh, transient equine asthma-like symptoms or uh, exacerbated those horses that have already had equine asthma as a diagnosis. But any kind of inhaled particles such as dust, uh, molds, um, uh, air pollution can certainly exacerbate equine asthma. And I think some of those things have been getting worse uh, in certain areas of this country. In, in your experience, what complaints from owners might lead you to think a horse has equine asthma? So um, I guess I'll break it down a little bit um, in that equine asthma is a very recent term that we've started using that encompasses a couple different diseases that we used to refer to as inflammatory airway disease and then uh, recurrent airway obstruction or heaves or COPD. Those terms have all now recently been lumped into this term of equine asthma, which I actually think is a much better term uh, overall, um, as those diseases are likely on a spectrum of equine asthma. And the reason I bring that up is because mild equine asthma is typically seen in younger horses. Um, those horses are typically normal at rest. Um, but uh, what people do see in those animals is that when they are exercised, they may have some coughing. They may not, um, their performance may not reach the peaks that they used to reach. Um, 
but at rest, they don't have an elevated respiratory rate. They don't have any evidence of a nostril flare. It's just during exercise that we notice some of these clinical signs. That mm -hmm. is very different to what we consider severe equine asthma or that disease process that we used to call recurrent airway obstruction or heaves. Those horses actually have clinical signs at rest. So those horses, owners will describe having an elevated respiratory rate. So they're constantly, you're seeing that movement of their thorax back and forth. Um, they may have a nostril flare. So instead of having these short breaths that you can barely visualize, they have this very prominent opening of their nostrils every time they breathe. They may have some nasal discharge. Um, these horses are coughing at rest. And then certainly when they start exercising, they um, are exercise intolerant. They are coughing frequently um, and uh, really struggling to meet those performance uh, levels that they had reached before. Okay. And I know our, our listeners would love to hear, how do you work up an equine asthma case, diagnosis, treatment, follow-up, and so forth? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, so there's a number of different ways to approach a horse that comes in with respiratory disease. And one of the most infection, uh, most important things that I sort of alluded to earlier is that um, the, the first thing you want to do is make sure that this is not an infectious cause of respiratory disease. Um, and so differentiating between infectious and non-infectious is typically my first step. Um, and so that usually starts with a, a really good and thorough physical exam and uh, listening to the horse's lungs is part of that. Those horses that have equine asthma as well as pneumonia, which is an infectious respiratory disease, can have very abnormal respiratory sounds. Um, those sounds can include crackles and wheezes. Um, even um, uh, fluidy type sounds in the trachea that may indicate a buildup of fluid within the respiratory tract. The other thing we can do um, is called a rebreathing exam. In humans, your doctor asks you to take a really deep breath. We can't obviously do that for horses. And so um, we put a, a bag over their nose um, that helps build up the CO2 levels, which encourages them to take very long and deep breaths. And so we can hear lung sounds much clearer. Um, and, and that can really help us in those more mild cases that don't have signs at rest um, because it will exacerbate the noises and can lead us in one direction or another. I will mention that if the horse has uh, clinical signs at rest um, and has elevated respiratory rate or coughs or has abnormal lung sounds, you may not need to do a rebreathing exam and it may make their clinical signs quite a bit worse. And so I do try to avoid it in those patients. Today's Disease Du Jour podcast is brought to you by Banamine, Flunix and Meglamine injection from Merck Animal Health. The pioneer NSAID for horses in the U.S., Banamine goes to work quickly to alleviate pain and inflammation from musculoskeletal disorders and visceral pain from colic to horses in your care. Don't get caught on call without Banamine. Find out more at MerckAnimalHealthUSA.com. Do not use Banamine in horses intended for human consumption. The effect of Banamine paste on pregnancy has not been determined. See product label for complete safety information. From there, I move on to sort of more um, uh, detailed diagnostics. So I do routine blood work to make sure they don't have an infection. 
Um, I usually ultrasound their uh, thorax to see, again, if there is any sign of infection, which would look a little bit different than equine asthma. If uh, available, I think x-rays can be very beneficial as well. And then the crux of diagnosis really is taking a sample from their airway. And that consists usually on the initial um, treatment plan, consists of two separate tests. One is called a transtracheal wash. That we do usually through the scope, through an endoscope, and we take a sterile sample of fluid from their trachea. That will help me make sure that there's no infection on top of the asthma that I'm suspecting in that patient. And then the true and best way to diagnose equine asthma at this point is what's called a bronchoalveolar lavage. So that can be done in one of two ways, either through the endoscope or blindly using um, a, a tube that goes down into the horse's airway. It goes much deeper than the transtracheal wash down into what we call the lower airways. And it helps us sample the alveoli, which is where the equine asthma disease uh, is worst. And so we put in some fluid and we get that fluid back and then we evaluate that fluid for its content. So what white blood cells are present, how much of those white blood cells and based on those results, we can make a diagnosis of equine asthma. Okay. And then um, if you do have the diagnosis of equine asthma, and I realize it can, it can range from very mild to very severe, what types of treatments might you use? So equine asthma, um, in general, the components of the disease syndrome include uh, inflammation, which leads to bronchoconstriction, so constricting of those airways, as well as an increase in mucus production. And so um, in my mind, uh, breaking it down into those basics helps me identify a treatment plan. So I want to address that uh, inflammation as well as the constriction of the airways um, to help alleviate the clinical signs in the horse. So in order to do that, one of the mainstays of treatment is going to be um, uh, anti-inflammatories and more typically corticosteroids. And we all have um, probably a history with corticosteroids and the things that we like about them and don't like about them. Um, in most asthma cases, uh, steroids can be very beneficial and you can use them in, in different ways. So um, uh, either intravenous, intramuscular or oral corticosteroids can be very beneficial, but that way of administration does come with some risks, including laminitis. And so something to be very careful of. The other much safer way to administer corticosteroids in horses, especially for asthma, is inhaled corticosteroids, which can either be nebulized or through an inhaler. And all of those are available, at least in the United States currently, there are multiple forms of both inhaled and systemic corticosteroids that can be used in horses. Mm -hmm. The inhaled steroids are certainly much safer from a standpoint of laminitis, um, but in many cases can be uh, quite expensive to use. Mm -hmm. So on top of the inflammation that we're addressing, I do sometimes also need to address the bronchoconstriction by putting the horse on a bronchodilator. Um, many of those are oral, although you can also get those in a nebulized or inhaled formulation as well. And then one of the things I think we forget about um, that is probably the, the very crux of the treatment is management. 
So we can provide a lot of medical therapy to these horses, but if we do nothing to alter the environment um, in which these horses live, then we really won't have much success with our treatment plan. Um, And those management strategies really include um, decreasing the amount of inhaled dust and particles that that horse is exposed to. This may mean that the horse should be turned out 24-7 as opposed to living in a stall. It may mean that the horse leaves its stall while the stalls are being cleaned. Some people use blowers to clean their aisleways. So again, taking the horses out of the stall while those particles are are in the airway. Um, Watering and dragging rings prior to riding. Um, Avoiding round bales where horses actually have to stick their head directly into the round bale. And as such, they inhale a lot of particles within that round bale. Um, And then there is one small subset of equine asthma that's considered pasture associated. Those horses are sort of the opposite group. They tend to get asthma out in the pasture um, because they're exposed to an allergen in the pasture that is creating this process. So those horses actually may need to come into a stall, but that's a a very small group of this uh, disease. Okay. And what kind of follow-up do you usually recommend to veterinarians? I mean, what is your, um, the way that you work with horses and their, their client and their owners on following up on these cases? I think it's really important to remember that most cases of severe equine asthma are considered chronic. Um, These horses will have some form of this disease for the rest of their lives. Uh, As opposed to those horses that are diagnosed with mild or moderate asthma at a young age, those horses may recover completely. But the horses that are in that more severe asthma category are considered chronic. And those horses will need routine care. So after initial diagnosis, I usually try to follow up within 30 days. um, And I repeat some of my diagnostics, whether that is just a physical exam and ultrasound, or that might include a a repeat bronchoalveolar lavage. And based on those diagnostics, then we come up with a long-term strategy for those patients. They don't necessarily all need to stay on steroids long-term, but they might. And so finding that lowest effective dose will require monthly to every couple month follow-up to find that sort of uh, that point where we can get to as low as we can. Um, And so, again, initially, I try to do every 30 days. Once we have the horse more stable, then I think you can move to every six-month follow-up for these horses that have chronic equine asthma. Owners also get very good at identifying when horses are having flares. There are a lot of these owner worksheets available now that can help your owners establish a good baseline for their own horses. And then uh, when those horses have these exacerbations of equine asthma, they can um, uh, use these worksheets to really identify when those are happening and how to adjust their treatment plans accordingly. So I do put a lot of the onus on the owners to sort of keep track of their horse's clinical signs. And that really puts them in the owner's seat as well. Um, And I really like giving them that sort of uh, um, uh, um, link to their horse. No, that's, and that's great because they're the ones that are going to be there 24 seven. You can't, you can't be there to do all that. And is there anything else that you would like to add about equine asthma, whether it's diagnosis, treatment, any new research? 
Uh, I think that there is a lot of uh, new information out there about uh, treating and managing equine asthma. Um, And I think uh, there are a lot of really great research groups working on new treatments, new safer treatments uh, to help these horses to get off steroids sooner and to help with management strategies for these horses. There are um, some really cool hay soakers and steamers and ways to decrease the particle content in your horse's environment um, that are really pretty incredible. So I think that the take home message for me would be that this is certainly not the end of the world for the horse. Um, We can usually get these horses feeling quite good again with sort of persistent care. Um, and management as well as medication. Um, But I like to stress to both clients and veterinarians that this is likely a chronic disease that will need to be managed for the rest of the horse's life. And with that, it will need to be managed with other disease processes that that horse may develop. Yeah. Okay. And I really want to thank you a lot, Dr. Brown, for taking the time to join us today on the Disease Du Jour podcast. And a big thanks to our audience for listening. And we also want to thank our sponsor, Merck Animal Health, for giving us the space to have some of these discussions. And if our audience, if you have any questions or suggestions for the podcast, send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown, at equinenetwork.com. 